Welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I am here today with my hubby and pastor, Dr. Ross Holtz. We are excited to introduce you all to our Redemption Press authors, husband and wife team, Jim and Shirley Mozina. They've written a book together entitled Second Chance at Love and have some incredible Romans 8:28 stories to share today. So first things first, let me give our guests a proper introduction. Shirley is a speaker for Stonecroft Ministries and publishes a weekly blog on encouragement and hope. She and her husband Jim facilitate Grief Share, where they work with those grieving the loss of a loved one in death. Shirley has also written two other books, Second Chances at Life and Love with Hope, and Beyond Second Chances, Heartbreak to Joy. Jim was the owner and president of Mozina Consulting Group for 30 years. He's taught university business classes and authored four books on improving organizational performance. Now, I just love it when I can share some little known facts about our guests. Shirley and Jim have in their blended family 20 grandchildren and one great grand with another on the way. Shirley climbed Mount Hood six times, Mount St. Helens 11 times, the last one with Jim, and has actually piloted an airplane. While Jim won first place award for his dahlias grown on his small dahlia farm in Corbett, Oregon from the Multnomah County Flower Show. Both of Jim's parents are immigrants from the former Yugoslavia and Ireland. All right, let's roll this conversation. Well, this is such a delight to have the two of you on the All Things Podcast, and it's fun to do it with my pastor hubby with us for this conversation because it seemed so fitting. So Shirley and Jim Mozina, welcome to the All Things Podcast. Thank Thank you. You You bet. So we're going to start out so that our listeners can get a better idea of just how God works in your lives individually and then as a couple, and then we're going to jump into your new book. So Shirley, if you could just share with us a Romans 8.28 story that you personally experienced where God worked all things together for good, even though you could not imagine how he could do it. Okay. Okay. Well, it happened uh, more than 40 years ago now. I've been a believer in Jesus for most of my life. I I accepted Christ when I was only four years old. and, And I really believe that he came into my heart and life at that time. And I, for the most part, lived with him. Maybe later on in my married life, I kind of got busy. And yes, I went to church. Yes, I read the Bible at church. And I prayed at mealtime. And sometimes when something drastic was happening, I'd bring things to the Lord in prayer. But when my second child, and it was a daughter, it was a girl, Erica was born. She did not breathe for five minutes. She, they didn't know what was wrong with her. And, and basically they said, we'll send her up into the, what would be now the NICU and we'll see what's going on. And later on, we'll tell you what's happening. She did start breathing after five minutes, but it was a long five minutes that she did not breathe, did not cry. I never heard her new cry. They just told me she, we got her to breathe. 
Well, I went to my my room. They took me to my room and I was there. And the next morning, I still didn't know anything. And I was reading a book and the volunteer came through with her book card of books. And she said, would you like to borrow a book? And in those days, you stayed in the hospital for two or three days, at least then. And I said, no, I've got plenty, which I did. I brought several library books at the time that I was going to read while I had this free time. And then I remembered this baby girl, we don't know what's going on with her. So I said, well, how about a Bible? And so she gave me one and I opened it up to Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things work together for good to them who love God. And that was kind of God calling me back. It will work together for good. And from that moment on, I haven't looked back. I did read God's word. I got into a Bible study and I studied and the word opened up as an adult, as a true believer in Christ, as an adult, not just my parents' belief. And he has been there through everything since then. And there have been some rough things that have happened to me during that time. But that that's my Romans 8, 28 story. And she survived and she's a she's a teacher and a wonderful daughter. Right. Have a great wow. relationship. Right. And also all of her blood drained out of her, didn't it? Yeah, 75%. That's what they found out. Yeah, 75% right. of her blood was drained wow. just before birth. And a that was why. A miracle. Why yes. A miracle. Wow. Oh, that was great. I love that story. That's, I mean, that is, talk about a Romans 28 story. That, oh, that's Romans that's, 28. Right. Yes, that's as good as they get. Yes. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, Jim, can you talk well, about Well, mine uh, goes back to when I worked at Good Samaritan Hospital back in the mid-80s, and I was the director of human resource development, and the bishop, was, which was the chairman of the board, asked me to work with the board. They were deciding if they should do abortions or not. And so for a year, we had the head of chaplaincy and myself led the board through an education program that sort of helped them to understand the ethics and the, and the biblical view of life and, and of, uh, the evils of abortion and all that. And we had some great speakers. And, and so the board had the education. Then we had the one-day retreat after at the end of it. Unfortunately, the bishop which brought us in was very, very much one the sanctity of life and pro-life. And he left about a month before we had this final retreat and a very liberal bishop came in and the vote came down as we thought it was a tie and, and the chairman of the board had to break the tie and it was the bishop. And he said, well, you guys are businessmen, do whatever you want. So they started doing abortions and the administrator of the hospital came up to me five minutes later and said, thank you for your service. Your check is in the mail. You're fired. So, but after that, because of that, I started my business and the Romans 828 part of it was I, from there, I started a consulting business that lasted for 25 years and was extremely profitable and helped us in our retirement and blessed me. I wrote a few books even during that time and traveled the country and had a very successful business. And it was all that came out of that. And so God really watched over and blessed me because of my stance on that. And we still stand today for we're very, very involved in the pro-life movement and the march of life and all that. Wow. What a story. I mean, really, because you probably wouldn't have quit. No, I if would it had not gone the other way. That's right? exactly right. God used it for good. Wow. Right. Okay. Well, now let's hear as a couple your favorite Romans 8:28 story because you know we all have tons of them. Yes, we do. Well, I'll go first. Okay. I I was engaged to the wrong I I have been widowed two times 
And I liked being married. I missed marriage. And I kind of pushed pushed the envelope a little bit when I joined a, a site, a matching site, and was engaged to the wrong person. He was the wrong person. And so there was one morning when I, I was praying and doing my daily prayers, just like I did every single day. And I I don't know where it came from, but I prayed, Lord, if this marriage is out of your will, you will have to break it up because I can't. And that evening, my fiance, then fiance called me. We were, we lived about 300 miles apart. He called me and broke up, broke up. He said, I can't get married. And this was five weeks before our wedding. And though I was, didn't like it, I was hurt and distressed I remembered that prayer and it gave me that all things will work together for good. And of course it did. I'm sure glad it did. I'm glad. I love that story. (laughs) (laughs) So my room's 28. I also was uh, engaged. I unfortunately jumped in too soon. That's one of the reasons we wrote the book because we learned a lot of, a lot of the good things to do and also all the, the things you should try to avoid. We did them all. So one of the things I jumped into an engagement just a few months after my wife passed away. And I was in that for oh, a number of months until I just, we just couldn't, we went to a counselor and the counselor said, Jim, you're an Italian racehorse and she's a mule. <laughs> and I, I sort of didn't like that statement, but what he was trying to say, Jim, you, you've got a lot going for you. And, you know, she's sort of, she's still working at a lot of things. So, so fortunately we broke it off. And after that, I, I worked on my grief uh, much longer. And then one day I decided to go on eHarmony and I spent, they said you could be free, but they didn't show you any pictures or anything. So I decided to um, spend the $245, I think it was. The next morning I woke up, I said, oh, this is sort of, maybe in the morning I should call. And they told me they'd give me money money back. Well, in the morning I opened up the, the site and there's three ladies and one was Shirley. And uh, so I called her up and we met for lo- uh, lunch a couple of days later for coffee and, and the rest is history. Yes. <laughs> He gave you an Italian filly. Yes, he did. And, and like like the pastor said during our wedding, he that the, we had two pastors. One of my my pastor, who's known me for twenty five years, said, "Jim, hardly anybody can ever keep up with you." But now you're in a situation where you're going to say, "Surely, slow down. I can't catch up with you." <laughs> So I love that. So that is so true. And my brother told me when I told him that I surely had two, she lost two spouses. He said, don't you realize they come in threes? And surely said, uh, Jim, third's the charm. There you go. <laughs> so. I love that. Well, okay. So we're going to jump in. I'm going to let Ross ask the first question. Okay. But let me just say, we're going to talk about Second Chance at Love, Navigating the Path to Remarriage. Right. And I just cannot tell you how important this is because so many people either rush into it or they think they just can't ever get over and can't ever heal from their marriage. And so then they never move forward when maybe God wants them to. So there's that tension. Yes, there is. And I just am so thankful that you put your experiences together into this book and provide very hands-on practical Mm -hmm. tools for potential couples to work through and figure out if this is a good thing or not. 
I don't I don't really have an initial question. I have a couple of observations to make. First of all, I haven't I haven't read all the book, but I read all the press releases and all that stuff. And, and I saw some of the pull quotes. And one of the pull quotes says, when I loved Kathy, it was as much as I had the capacity to love. Well, my late wife's name was Kathy also. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and I caught my attention. And after she died, I was scrubbed with pain and loss. And because of the pain and loss, I had more capacity to love someone else. I said, amen to that. And then I looked at the questionnaire that you guys have at the end. And I was taking it mentally preparing for this. And I thought it would have been very helpful for Athena and I. Now we passed in flying yeah. colors. Yes, but yes. Good. and you still do. <laughs> we didn't have a tool like that, which I, I really loved it. And I thought everybody who's remarrying, because, you know, statistically, it's a gamble. Yes, it is. 50 uh, 50. Uh, yeah. And, and they say in the second marriage, it can be up to 75% not make it. In focus on the family was talking about that. Yeah, yeah. How did you come to the questionnaire? I, I heard you say you, you'd done the right things and the wrong things. What gave you the idea to put it into a questionnaire form like that? Well, part of my consulting work was uh, working with organizations. And I did do some work in creating corporate surveys and whatever. And so it just sort of hit me. Why don't we sort of ask some questions so that we can get people talking? Because the one thing we realized, the most important thing, you really, in getting remarried, you've got to put everything on the table. And you're so enamored and you're you're infatuated so much that you sort of lose your rational logic mind. (laughs) And so we thought if we could put questions down, it might really encourage people to try to get the stuff on the table so that both people would really know what they're doing and be able to talk it out. And we thought the questionnaires, you know, at the end of each chapter might really facilitate that. And that's why we went for the questions. Well, and they're kind of, I might just add this, Jen did write the questions for it. Um, But it's kind of, a neutral person asking it. It's not like me asking him. It's this book that's saying we should go through right. these questions. And so it's a little bit easier maybe to respond yes. to them. Yes. Well, I can see as pastor, I, you know, I've done numerous remarriages and it would be, it's going to be a great tool that I'm going to use in the future. And I'll, oh, I'll thank you. It. Thank you. Uh, but because I have a, a, a couple not that long ago that the husband was not totally open and honest and it yes. led to a collapse. So um, I think the questions, if they answer honestly, are, are excellent for, for uh, you said the discussion, some things you have to accept in, in remarriages. And yes, right. but, but one thing is, is that for me, I, I, I wanted to get married the second time more than I wanted to get married the first time. Yes. I was just a kid the first time. And yes, yeah, that's true. The same woman, but, the second time, I, w- I, w- I really liked being married, and I would have overlooked things. Yes, yes, and we did. That was one of the red flags we did not pay attention to. And you're right. I, we wish we had the questions, too, in our, those first engagements that weren't, weren't the right person. Yeah. So you're so right. And tell also, us, we, go ahead. Go ahead. Athena. Tell us some of the things that you did wrong that you learned from and included in the book as examples. I mean, I love it when we can tell on ourselves and say, man, I messed this up bad because then hopefully someone else might not have to go through that. That's right. Right. I remember Shirley in the, when she was in the 
office, I could hear her say, oh, do I have to write this? <laughs> and she was telling some of her stories. And then I, yes. we both told them. But why don't you tell one well, of yours? Right. <laughs> it, it was the most painful thing. I, I In my second book, where I, it was a memoir, I talked about the broken engagement. But I wasn't as fully honest as I was, or I should say fully transparent. I was honest in the first one, but I didn't give the whole backstory. The things that I, well, first of all, I looked at the positives. He He's a Christian. He's He seems to be honest. In fact, he laid out his finances before we were even engaged. It was really only the second time we were together. He lived in another town and he suggested, why don't you come down and I'll, you can meet my family? Well, yeah, I want to meet your family, but it was only our quote unquote, second date. So I agreed and I shouldn't have, I, sh- I should have put it off. But when I got there, I, I had a room in a hotel and, and I was at his home though. And he was showing, he very, almost one of the first things he did was show me his finances and his finances were shaky. Uh-huh. And I, I just really felt uncomfortable and I should have said something then. And I didn't. And then a red I, flag. yeah, that was a red flag. And there were other things that I probably don't need to go into some of some of the shaky parts of his personality. But I just pushed him away. Part of it was I I don't think I had fully grieved my second husband, even though the time said I had. And so that was an error that I shouldn't have. I should have just stopped it there. Let's get to know each other better. And I didn't do that. I think one of the things we learned was you got to pay attention to those red flags. Yes. And particularly when you're talking to other people and they say, Ooh, be careful of that. That is a major red flag. Now, when I was going out with somebody, she said she had no chemistry and I thought, Oh, well, I can make that happen. And I, then there was other problems we had. We didn't really uh, agree on some politics and things. And I, I just remember saying, well, when I was in my first marriage, it was hard at times. So in marriage, you just have to work through things so I can make this better. Well, that was wrong, wrong, wrong. I just kept trying to uh, justify or rationalize those red flags away. And when other people told me even, I just tried to convince them. And I remember when your daughter even, Erica, was telling you, you better be cautious. You're jumping too quick. And you said, oh, no, 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 no. And you, it's those red flags that we know deep in that, that God puts that sort of those yeah. that, that in our hearts and conscious. And particularly when other people tell us that we avoided them. And that's what both led us to breaking up a engagements that's things we learn those red flags you've got to pay attention to them and they're all over the place from finances to blended families to health to travel uh, desires and on and on and on and so well and the, the one thing that comes to mind is there's you know you always hear these stories of these predators who end up mm-hmm. doing these women into getting married and then they take all their money and they do you know or, or do something horrible to their the kids or you know yes. just right advantage of not having any money right <laughs> <laughs> yes that's yeah. right <laughs> but my point is if we are not sensitive to the red flags like they're so good at narcissists and sociopaths yes. people like that that are evil are so yeah. good at selling themselves and making it look like everything is great where you, where most people don't see yeah. really what's behind that Absolutely. Right. And we I'll tell you that prayer, Shirley, that you pray, yes. Lord, if this is not of you, shut the door. Right. That's he did. 
<laughs> yep. I am so grateful he answered that. And I mean, God always answers our prayers, but maybe it would have been, I'm going to let her see. Yeah. 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 We've heard, she is. Right. We've Absolutely. heard a lot of horror stories in our grief yes. care. We've had yeah. heard hundreds of stories about people wanting to get married or been married, like one lady who got married because she thought she could convince, uh, uh, evangelize the guy and have him become Christian. And he was also one of the people you were describing, Athena. He was lying to her and he twisted things. And now she's in a horrible situation. Very so, unhappy. Very unhappy. And she said, "We, I sure wish I had the book beforehand. And you had talked about some of these things and read, you know, but uh, you, you're right. You, you know, it, in remarriage, you can have the worst of times or it can be the best of times. And that's why you got to be so careful. And that's why one of the reasons we wrote the book. So tell us another aspect that you wanted to accomplish by telling your stories and kind of revealing the red flags and then giving a tool or, or a number of tools, I think, as, as you go through all the different questionnaires. Tell us what kind of your motivation was to, to put all of that together and make it available for people to Okay, I'll, I'll tell one real quick. There's a chapter that called the touchy subject sex. And sex is such a big issue in our, our country and our generation and everything. And I just remember one thing we wrote that for, we, we were trying to write that chapter to let people realize that God puts those kind of limits on premarital sex because he wants to bless us and help us have a better relationship after we get married. And we actually, when we, when Shirley and I got together, I lived 50 miles away. So I, she had a spare bedroom. So I said, why don't I just, since every day we were playing the wedding, I mean, why don't I just live in your guest room? And then one of our kids said, you know, that doesn't look right. So we talked to our pastor too, and he agreed. I, within an hour, I moved out and I moved into a into the house we were remodeling, and it worked out much better. And sure, was relieved, and I was relieved. But that's one of the things you just have to really be careful of. And that that one chapter is something that I think people really need to pay attention to. And that's one of the reasons I think was an important topic for me yeah. at least. Well, one of the reasons that I I wrote this book is to give hope to people. Mm -hmm. I have a heart for people who are grieving. Mm -hmm. yes, I, I mean, we, we're, we're grief share facilitators and we do it twice a year. And, oh, these people are hurting so badly. And I want them to know that I was there. I walked that same road you mm -hmm. did. And yet later on, you will get through this and you will get to the other side. And there is hope for mm -hmm. life after this yes. terrible loss. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Well, one of the one of the things that caught my attention was you asked the question: Is the potential pain of losing another spouse worth it? Talk about Jane, that. Why don't you tell her about Jane? Well, I'm I'm going to say just just for myself yeah. that it definitely is worth it. I have learned to be grateful, thankful for every single day that we have. I mean, our days are numbered no matter whether we marry again, whether we stay by ourselves. And, you know, we use that quote from C.S. Lewis, where he said, if you, you can put things carefully in a box and you don't have to love again, but all of a sudden you're going to become cold, unfeeling, and there's not going to be anything left. And, and uh, yes, I have a dear friend who she married for a second time and her first husband died of cancer. And then 
her second husband got cancer and actually eventually died in the same home, the same bedroom, everything was very similar. And I asked her, do you, was it worth it? And she said, yes, it, I don't like where I am right now. I don't want Chuck to leave, but I am grateful for the moments we had. For a gift, why would I refuse a gift that was given? Yes, to me? why said, would I refuse a gift that was given to me and say no, thank you? Yeah, it is. It is scary. It is a risk, and we we sometimes pray about that. But one yeah. of the things that led us to to really make sure that every day we really treasure the moments and also keep very short accounts. One of the things I've learned being losing a spouse and a second marriage is that you've really got to um, let the little things go by and just deal there's very few mountains you have to die on and you really can just enjoy and but and after usually 15 minutes later i forget the whatever it was that was irritating me and frustrating me yeah. but, but if or we just talk about it and it's over right and so and so we we tell people we have almost 100 years of marital experience <laughs> because when we count up all the years of different spouses <laughs> well okay so since finances are always oh, you know, yes. touchy subject, Absolutely. you know, emotionally charged. How did you work through all of that? And, and what have you seen have been the biggest struggles when people do come to this place of remarriage in just making a smooth road forward so that it's, okay. you know, transparent yes, and not hidden and yes. That's it right there. That's it right there. It, it's got to be transparent. One of the things we believe very strongly in that we have to be very open with all of our, all the money we have, all the debt that we have, and also even some history of what, how we dealt with money and some of the things that we learned and did wrong and learned from. But also we learned that we, we have three buckets. We have our money, we have Jim's money, and we have Shirley's money. And uh, when you're our age, most people have trusts or investments or whatever. So we we live on our money and all of our current assets, our house and our car and everything in Washington's a community property state. So all that we we own together. If I die first, my investments will go to my dependents. And if Shirley dies first, her her money investments go to her beneficiaries. And so. The, what's in the middle is always jointly held. So whatever, when one of the spouse dies, it's both held by the other person. So one of the things Shirley and I just always made sure, and I want to make sure too, is that she's well cared for. Because we've heard some horror stories when a spouse dies and they don't have a trust and the kids come in and take over. We had a lady in Cruciere that the kids locked her out of the house the day after her husband died because they said all, all everything is owned by them. They wouldn't even let her back in to get her personal belongings. So having a trust or a will is so important. We emphasize that right. too. Yes, and, and just one experience that I had that I believe I relate in the book too. In my second marriage, we had a prenuptial agreement just like Jim and I did too. And it was I was provided with a life estate in our home because I moved into his home and kept my home for rental. And that was kind of a separate account. But And we had a will drawn up, but we had been very busy and didn't have the will completed. We didn't sign it. It was almost exactly like the prenuptial agreement. Well, he died very suddenly of a brain aneurysm without those signatures, but 
that uh, prenuptial was there mm -hmm. to provide for me. So I didn't have to move out immediately or make plans. They, they, I was protected. And that was what my late husband wanted for me, was mm -hmm. to be protected. Mm -hmm. And we believe also in sharing, joining our money together. I know some couples like to have her accounts. She buys mm -hmm. some of the groceries. He pays some of the electric bills, all back and forth. We just feel as one, we've come together as one, we share our money together. And so that's just a personal bias we have. I know not everybody does it that way. Yeah. So do you ever find in your grief share and just all the experiences that you've had with other people and remarrying that the red flag of a financial controller, someone mm -hmm. who wants to control everything, that's uh -huh. right. is, have you seen that be an issue when we're, you know, at an older age, remarrying, is that still something you run into with couples? Absolutely. Yes. Well, I was just that one family that where the husband did control all the money and he died. And then right. the kids, and it gave everything to the kids and she was locked out of the house. Right. But, uh, it, you know, that's one of those red flags. If a person is very controlling with money, Athena, that's, you one, be careful. You, that's one of the things you got to be real quick, careful. And we ask, we have a number of questions, as you've seen in the financial chapter, that sort of really lays that out of who, you know, are you willing to share all your assets and debts? And, um, and there's a number of questions in there that get, hopefully will draw that out. That a, a particularly a lady might see a guy who's very controlling with his money and, or just being very controlling as a person. And so, and that's why we also say have, when you ask these questions, don't even talk, not only talk to each other about them, but have asked questions of friends, these questions and say, yeah. what are you observing? Because sometimes we don't see things where our friends might see things. Right. And so they might see that real controlling guy where they might not see it, or they're trying to justify it because they're so infatuated and they would love to get married and they love being married. And so that's, you know, that's the, the danger. That's why you have to have maybe a close, really close friends that can be really sort of be sounding boards. Yeah. And or, or family. Yeah. In, in our, our case, yes. my family, we're very close and they really liked Athena. Uh, they were a really positive aspect in our relationship. Uh, don't you think? Yep. Yes. And, uh, I, I want right, to say something about the red flag zone. Uh, one thing we had, when we announced we were getting married, we had people leave the church oh. um, because they, they, they saw red flags that we didn't, and they weren't there. I mean, we've been married a long time now and haven't had a fight yet until today. Oh no. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> but, but sometimes, sometimes you have to ignore other people's red flags. That's you're that, right. That's, that's a good true. point. That's where well, the prayer comes in because you right. really to be discerning and to pray. It, you, wow, you have a number, a number of people. What we have found from our experience, but most times they have something that you should look at at least and talk about and put on the table and just discuss it. And if, and with other friends and with the potential spouse, then from all that information, hopefully pray for discernment and maybe sometimes ignore some people who see things that might be, they're seeing things that aren't really there. Like you're saying, Ross, that's a good point. Well, and we also found out after a lot of this happened and people started leaving and they were upset wow. that that is common when a pastor yes. remarries, it almost creates a church split. 
my and, God. And it, but it happened. I mean, it, it almost always happens when a pastor remarries. Right. People, oh, my word. People feel like they own the pastor yes. or, or I don't <laughs> yeah. know what it is. But if we had known that ahead of time, we might have waited a year instead of six months. I don't yeah. know whether it and, and still it probably would have still been a, right. an issue just because when right. you're in a church situation yes. and the past, you know, there's, they've been with them for 20, 30 years. And all of a sudden here I come. Who's yeah. she? Yeah. My journey's dad was a pastor and I've learned that pastors carry a really a special burden in many different ways. And there's one you're describing right there. Well, in my, in my case, I asked, is it, what is the issue? Is there a sin issue? And, and no, we just don't think it's right. Well, I can't live on other people's, what they do. That's right. That's right. So I went to my kids, especially my oldest son and asked him and he said, oh, no, that's right. Good. There you go. Yeah. If the kids had been saying those things, that would have been a totally different yep. story. Absolutely right. right. That was that was the litmus test. Was do the kids agree and are are yeah. they with us? Yes. Yeah. And that's usually a good indicator because yes, like Shirley is. once her daughter said no, that first guy was not right. But when we met, she was very oh, much right for it. And same with my yes. kids too. The people, uh, the ladies I was with first, both my kids said, you know, you better watch out for this, Jim. It doesn't look right. And I said, oh, we'll work it out. We'll work it out. So kids are, at least for our situation too, yeah. we're good barometers of telling us what to, you know, what to listen for. Yeah. Okay. So as we begin to wrap this up, I would like to hear from both of you. Who do you see as your audience? those that could get the most out of this resource, because I want the people listening to think, okay, do I know somebody that's in that category that I can get this book and give it to them? Yes. Yes. Uh, Well, I'll go first. I, I often think of the people who are in grief share who are just really, really grieving. And they, they think if they get married, they'll feel better. And, and from my own experience, I learned that that isn't the answer. But also it, it's for it's for people, even somebody, I have a dear friend and she has now remarried and she's happily remarried, but she was divorced and it was a very nasty divorce. He was not a good man. And she remained single for 14 years before she met her husband. And it's for somebody like that who, who really wants to be loved and wants to be cherished by a husband, but they haven't experienced it yet. I think of my sister, the same thing kind of happened to her too. And so it's for those kind of people, but you have to, you still have to be careful when you do that. Yes. It's mostly hope that I want to give people. Yeah. And, and with me, it was also knowing that 50% of Christians do get divorced, unfortunately. And second marriage is sometimes going to be even a higher divorce rate. That And there's a lot of people out there that are trying to not make the same mistake again. So even younger people who, who have been remarried, a lot of things we focus on, too, is for people who are empty nesters and things. But a lot of the principles apply to people who are younger who are right. getting remarried from being widowed or even being divorced. It's Either way, it, it does help those people, too. So would you also say pastors, counselors, anyone like family therapists, marriage counselors, 
even marrying for the first time? Those are yes. great questions. Yes, yes they, are. they are. You know, I've had people tell me that. They said, boy, I should have got this for when I got married the first time around. It would have been real helpful. So you're right. That was right. one of the dilemmas I had because as we were writing and I started saying, this sort of would be good for when I was first married, right. <laughs> you know, would have avoided some things. So. And the final chapter is for married couples. If they're married already, it, it gives them some primary things to do to, to make your be- marriage a charmed marriage. Yeah. We've found them to be true yeah. from our experience. Right. I love that. Yeah. Well, that gives us some good ideas of great gift ideas to give yes. this yes. book to those who really could not only for their own lives, but perhaps for people that they counsel or that they minister to. Um, it's a great resource. So tell us if we have some people listening today who would love to connect with you online or kind of just, you know, follow what you're doing and see where you're speaking. What, what's the best place for them to find you? Uh, they can, they can meet me at my website, shirleymosina.com or, and they can communicate with me there. There's a place where you can get in touch with us. And it even has my phone number there. You know, one thing that I didn't mention about who who would this book be good for, it would be good for if you're engaged or you want to get married to somebody for your kids to see this is what what we're looking for. And we're looking at this and and we want you to look at it, too. So maybe it would give them some comfort that it's okay for your parents to get married again. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. So that there's a lot of people out there who could benefit not only reading it themselves, but but also giving it to others that are in these different phases or different occupations that it will really be a blessing for them. So as a pastor, I, I'm going to use it for, with, with couples that uh, are remarrying. Uh, I mean, those are, those are just great questionnaires and uh, to read the chapters to go with them would be beneficial. I suspect I'm going to use it. So uh, someday I'll get a signed copy. Next time I see you, I'll get you to sign a copy. Great. She'd love to. <laughs> Happy to. Happy to. Right. Well, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting us. You I bet. love sharing about it. Well, and right now with COVID, we've had a, we don't haven't been speaking as much because you know most things have been canceled or on Zoom. And so we're looking forward to getting back out there so we can be speaking to, to churches and different places. So you're going to be te- you're going to be speaking together then on this topic. Yeah, yes. Right. Right. Awesome. Well, it's just been a delight to have you both on, and uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. And we look forward to the next time we get to see you in person. Absolutely. And, and thanks for the opportunity to share it too. Th- thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Well, thanks for joining us today for the All Things Podcast brought to you by Redemption Press and the Romans 828 Bookstore. So, hey, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you would, consider sharing this episode with your friends on social media. And if you haven't yet left a review of the podcast on Apple, I would love it if you would take a minute to do that as it would help other people find the show and also let them know that it's a show worth listening to. So thanks so much for joining us today and I will see you next week. Bye for now.